In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you'll be more devoted to the one and despise the other. So who are these masters that Jesus is talking about? He says in the very next sentence, you cannot serve God and money. Uh, The original Greek word for this is mammon, not money. So we know of God, but who or what is this mammon? And mammon, to be sure, is mammon isn't a real God. He doesn't actually exist, live, or think, or do anything. Mammon is just the name that Jesus gives to all of the things that claim our affection. So whatever's claiming our affection at that moment, he calls that the false god of mammon. When mammon claims our trust and our obedience. So mammon is whatever money can buy. So house, or a car, or medicine, or food, or clothing, or your vacation, or entertainment. And mammon is also whatever it can't buy. It's a faithful spouse, or good friends, or family, and so on. And Jesus says you can't love both God and mammon. One of them has to give. Either you worship the one true God completely, or you worship your stuff. But you can't do both. And it's not that there are any other gods. It's that we often like to act like there are. And when you treat other things like gods, then you stop loving the one true God. So you might say in defense, look, I I worship God. I don't have any other gods or idols. I have a Bible in my home. I come only to this church. I only sing from this hymnal. How can I be worshiping mammon? Well, Jesus tells us. The worship of mammon doesn't happen at a specific location. It doesn't happen at a specific time that we've all agreed upon. It doesn't happen outside of you. Your worship of mammon happens inside of you, within you. It happens in your heart. So even though there's only one true God, we oftentimes like to put things in his place. We do this by treating our things better than we treat God. We fear many times losing our house and our job more than we do fear losing his forgiveness. We love spending time with our stuff more than we love spending time with his word. We love spending time and we we, we love trusting in our money more than we do Christ. We devote our time and our energy more into what we have and the things we want rather than in prayer and thanksgiving. And so the question is, how do we know when we're worshiping mammon, this false god that Jesus tells us about? And what does this worship sound like? Well, it sounds like worry. It sounds like anxiety. It sounds like concern or a troubled mind. When, you, when these things are going on within you, you're worshiping mammon. You see, the question is, who commanded you to worry? Who told you to be anxious about tomorrow? It wasn't God. It was mammon. And this is mammon's only commandment, is that you shall worry. Worry. Be anxious. And whenever you worry, you're trusting in mammon and you're doubting God. Because whenever you worry and are anxious, you're obeying mammon's uh, commandment and you're disobeying God. You're, You're obeying mammon when he tells you to worry and you're disobeying God when he says, don't worry. When he says, be anxious about nothing. 
So when you worry about your life, it's because you don't have faith that God will provide. You don't have faith that he will keep his promise. This is what Jesus is getting at today. When you worry, you think that you need something else more than you need God himself. When you think that getting enough money will solve all of your problems, and when you daydream that winning the lottery one day will improve either your marriage or that it will bring back your family together, that it will secure uh, uh, the, the future better for your children, that it will make you happier, that it will help you cope with whatever sorrow or shame you face, then you're, worship, you're worshiping mammon. When you're anxious about your life, when you're troubled about tomorrow, when you're worried about your things, you're worshiping mammon in your heart. And God hears it. This is the truth, that God hears the very worries of your heart. He sees the anxiety in your mind. Although you might be pacing around, God sees that your spirit is on its knees, bowing down to mammon. When you love money like this, then you hate God. When you, uh, when you worry like that, then you despise God. Because while you're worrying, you're no longer praying. While you're busy being anxious, you're no longer trusting while you're busy being troubled by tomorrow, you're no longer listening to the promises of Christ today, right now. This worry and anxiety is a sign that your faith is weak and that it's failing. We have to learn this from the text, learn it from what Jesus said, that worry is indeed a sin. Worry exposes our weak and our doubting little faith. Worry means that we doubt God. It means that we don't believe his word as we should. We worry because we trust more in mammon and in things than we do in God. And if we leave this unchecked, if we leave our worry and anxiety unchecked, it's going to consume us to strangle our faith, even to death. So while you're bowed down to mammon and worry, whatever you're worrying about, while you're singing praises to the the deaf and mute God with your anxiety about tomorrow, Christ stomps down on mammon, crushing him beneath his nail-pierced foot. And in the midst of your praise and worship of mammon, in the midst of your anxiety and trouble about tomorrow, Christ speaks. And he says, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Consider and learn from the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't decked out like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what shall we wear? Pagans seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them too, that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
So if you're worried about anything or concerned or troubled about anything in the world that could possibly happen, those words of God were spoken to you. They were spoken directly to you. If you're concerned about anything, you meditate on these words of Christ and you let them drown out the words of, of your mind and your heart of worry and anxiety. Do you think that the God who feeds and clothes the sparrow will forget about you, who's way more valuable than they are? Do you think that the God who knit your body together in your mother's womb, who, who took on flesh to redeem your flesh, who dwells in your body as if it's his temple, will only take care of your soul and forget about your body? Do you think that he's promised to give you everything that you need to live forever with eternal life, but that he's going to forget to give you what you need today? Of course not. The same one who spoke these words about your life is the same one who went to the cross to give you his. The same one who told you not to worry about what you'll eat. The same one who hungered for you. The one who told you not to worry about what you'll drink, thirsted for you. The one who told you not to worry about what you will wear, was stripped naked and hung on a tree. And all of this he did for you. He died on the cross to forgive all of your sins, to provide all you need. And if Christ has done all of these things for you, for your eternal life, to forgive you all of your sins and to forgive the sin even of your worry and your doubt, will he not also take care of you in this life? If the Father went to such great lengths to give you his only begotten Son, to be your food and your drink of salvation, to be your robes of righteousness, will he not also give you the things that you need in this life. If he's, if he's given you the greatest and greater thing in Christ, will he not also give you the lesser thing that he is also the Lord and master of as well? Of course. So you don't have to worry about eternal life, and neither do you have to worry about this life. So dear saints, don't worry. You have a God who loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not busy. You have a master who serves you. You have a Lord who devotes himself entirely to you. A God who knows what you need more than you know what to ask for. So if you're worried about how much you worry, if you're anxious about tomorrow, if you're ashamed of the little faith that you have and by how much worry and, and, and how weary your, your heart wavers from day to day, then take heart in the words of Christ who speaks to you right now. He not only points out your weak faith today, but he has chosen to strengthen it with his word right now. He forgives your doubt and he replaces your doubt with faith. So yeah, it's true. Strong faith is something to aspire. Strong faith clings firmly to Christ through thick and thin with much or with little, with, when, when you're full and when you're hungry, in riches and in poverty, strong faith clings to Christ without wavering once. And this is the faith that so many of us lack, the faith that we should all hope to have, the, the type of faith that we need to pray for. But just because your faith is weak and little, don't think for a second that Christ rejects you for it. Even the weakest and smallest faith here is still faith. 
Faith doesn't receive the benefit of Christ because it's strong. It receives the benefit of Christ because that is who he is. Because it is faith in Christ, regardless of whether it's lots or little or weak or strong. Even the smallest ember of faith is still faith. It's still a gift from the Holy Spirit. It was God who gave you that faith to begin with in the first place. So leave it to him to strengthen it and to perfect it. Because the author and perfecter of our faith. God doesn't turn you away because your faith is weak. Because your heart is weary. Because you worry much and are anxious. Rather, in the midst of your devotion to other things, he proclaims his unwavering devotion to you. To heal you. To strengthen you when you languish and when you despair. So don't defend your weak faith, but don't despair because of it either. Acknowledge the weakness of your faith, the worry in your heart, the anxiety in your mind, and then repent of it. And cling to the word of Christ who can never deceive you. Pray that he increases your faith. You do believe. Now pray that he rips all unbelief from your heart. And when you're tempted to worry, turn to Christ in prayer. When mammon wants you to worry about your life, what you'll wear, what you'll eat, what you'll put on, and to worry about tomorrow, God bids you to trust in him. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. So pray to the one who is bigger than your worry. And don't worry about your life, about anything. Be anxious about nothing. Because your life is not in your hands. It's in the hands of your dear Father in heaven who takes care of you. Your life is in the hands of the one who treasures you far more than the flowers of the field and the sparrows of the air. Your life is in the hands of the one whose hands were pierced for you, whose life was given for you, whose blood was shed for you. So don't worry. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.